Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, although I would be surprised if any children are listening to this, welcome to History Abhors a Podcast, the Legacy of Cain podcast, where we are going to be delving into all the nooks and crannies of our very favourite Shakespearean gothic vampire fiction series from the late 90s. I say we because I'm joined not only by the voices in my head, but by three gentlemen who are going to help me explore all these various nooks and crannies. First of all, from, well, I would say the country, but most of you will be American and probably can't place it on a map. But what would a podcast about vampires be without an Eastern European? It's Chrome. Chrome, how you doing? Hey, I'm fine. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And coming at us from Texas, he's a gruff cowboy with a heart of gold and a wardrobe full of anime hoodies and nothing else. Temp, say hi to everybody. Hey, what's going on? And up from Arkansas, wondering why he can't marry all the pretty boys himself, it's Django. Oh, I can. I just choose not to. Of course you can, buddy. And what would any <laughs> podcast about vampires be without a drunken Irishman just to kick everything off? So that's me, and I will be your host, Sevatar. So, gentlemen. Sevatar. Sevatar, yes. Awesome. I, I, I'm sorry I can't get rid of the accents, and I consider you I'm... racist for mocking my accent. I'm sorry, I apologize. You should apologize, I'll be, you, but you should also be donating to my PayPal thing uh, as reparations. Okay, so... Uh, this is going to be our first episode, obviously, because there was no ones before it. And what we were going to do today is just kind of a general discussion of the appeal of Legacy of Cain, why we're interested in it, why uh, it has kind of an enduring appeal for us uh, two decades, more or less two decades? When was Defiance? 2004? Oh, it's... 2003, I think. Um, that number gets more painful every year. Yeah, um, I mean, I was I, I was nine, and the rest of you were like twenty five because you're all fifty. Um, exactly. Exactly. And so, why it still nearly has, so? <laughs> why it still has such an enduring appeal for us? Um, and maybe I don't know. Whatever that covers, um, it covers. So, uh, with that said, who wants to kick us off? Chrome, why don't you kick us off and tell us about uh, why you like the legacy of Cain and why we're doing a podcast on it 20 years later. Well, given the Shakespearean uh, literary art in his dialogue, also it's standalone-ish and kind of unique feel. Uh, it's it's kind of like a really, uh, how should I say, outstanding game. It really, really, really unique in its setting, in its... Uh, general tone in its uh, method of conveying its story. One of the few games that actually uh, intends to t tell a story as its primary goal. And it's like, altogether, it's kind of like a freak of game. Like, it, it has that millimeter perfection of everything coming together all perfect. And, oh, maybe aside from the gameplay, but like, as a story, it's 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 one of my favorites and as an eastern european presumably it, it gladdens your heart to see yourself represented in culture as vampires because you're all vampires <laughs> well we are not uh we, we don't have a monopoly on vampires but uh we did leave our stamp no you, on do, have, you do have a monopoly stuff. on sexy vampires though i think um so uh we'll go we'll go to this depends <laughs> uh, i'm not that sexy don't worry Tom, it's fine um so we'll go to the we'll go to our southern friends. Uh, Temp, why don't you tell us why you like the legacy of Cain? And bonus points if you can get through it without men mentioning Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. get well, to it. I think the reason why I bought Soul Reaver is a little different from why I like Soul Reaver. So I, 
I saw I had an EGM magazine covering the game long before it came. I feel like it took forever for that damn game to come out. And um, I really liked the idea of the gameplay loop. I liked the idea of soul stealing in, in, inside like gameplay. That sounded very fascinating to me. It looked very fascinating as well. Um, and plus, I was a Mortal Kombat fan. So I'm like, one of the things I don't love about Mortal Kombat is some of the coolest things are regulated to cinematics and finishers. So that was already a huge appeal to me. But I just like the way the game looked. I liked Raziel. That's really that's all. I I did not even know it was a sequel to Legacy of Kane. I think until like right before I bought the game. So, um, but the reason why I still like the 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 game today, the reason why I'm on this podcast is all, at all, is because I think it does a few things right that to date no other game has ever done. I don't think anything has ever done world immersion better than Soul Reaver. I think it is still number one in that category. Um, I, I feel like. The level design, although often bad at times, I think the the bad aspects is kind of what makes it good. I really feel like I'm exploring a foreign dystopia, and I don't think I've ever felt that to the extent in other games I've ever felt that in Soul Reaver. I, I, maybe age might have something to do with that, but I feel like I'm exploring a video game, but not in Soul Sorry, Reaver. Could you say that again? Oh, Siri, hold on. <laughs> Siri is being awful. Siri, this has nothing to do with you. I don't appreciate that. We will talk later. Um, just, but yes, so... Just go uh, back there, Tim, to when you said uh, the reason you're on this podcast is... One of the reasons you're on this podcast, I suspect, is because you have maybe six friends in the world, the three of us, Siri, <laughs> and two That guys, is true. And two guys you play Guilty Gear with. <laughs> yeah, uh, the six people are probably... That's probably the correct number. <laughs> not a lot... Dude, even back in, like, 2001, when I played the game, I think, I don't know if there were a lot of Soul Reaver fans. Um, well, I so it was sort of uh, my job to spread the gospel, and I did that the best I could. I bought the game. I bought Defiance. Um, as I say, I'm I'm a little younger than everybody else. Don't worry, Django. I'm not forgetting you, baby. I, I will come back to you. Um, it's fine. Go ahead. I I bought Defiance when I was about ten, uh, because I thought it looked badass. <laughs> I had no idea what Legacy of Cain was. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, um, and I I, rem- I still remember putting the disc in, and the and I, I know I think everybody here prefer, prefers Soul Reaver, but I, I hugely prefer Defiance, just it, just for the memories and hearing like uh, given the choice, what was a king to do? That just sold me. Um, so, but I up until actually Django started streaming, uh, Soul Reaver. Geez, was that a year ago? Maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, I kinda. I didn't <sighs> really realize uh, there were other fans of Legacy of Kane. I thought it was just me. Uh, and then I saw everybody in the chat, and the, the Genesis was born. But Django, I did promise I'd come back to you, and I always will. Uh, why don't you tell us why you like Legacy of Kane and how you got into it? Um, I'm trying to think of how I, I I did. I think the first game that I actually played, well, no, I was hanging out with a um a cousin of mine who's a little bit older, and he's playing Soul Reaver Two. Well, it's lucky so, it was a he, that, because obviously in Arkansas, if your cousin was a she, it would be a different yeah, dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We wouldn't be playing Soul Reaver. We, no. Yeah. Uh, 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 no, but yeah, this was a he, so we were playing Soul Reaver. He was playing it. I was, uh, you know, dude in the chair, pretty much. Um, and it, it was just really fucking cool. I mean, that sounds like <laughs> you guys have covered it already. Like, uh, Raziel, he looks sick. You know, he fucking looks sick. You start playing the game, that shit looks sick. Then you start playing, then you listen to the game, and 
you hear the music, which music, by the way, music. Top notch. Music. Uh, voice acting and so like all this stuff. Like it, it, there's, it's kind of like Def Leppard, where there's so many hooks going on. Something's gonna grab you. It's just, like there's something for everyone in here. If it's not the acting, it's the character design, it's the world building, it's the fucking scope, it's vampire bullshit, it's literariness, it's vocabulary. I'm, I'm trying to think if anybody in Legacy of Kane is missing an arm, so I can make a joke about Def Leppard's drummer. But I'm I'm coming up blank. Um, one thing I think that that I think Chrome and Django both mentioned is like it's. And something that really stood out to me, no offense, Temp, I, we always value your contributions. Um, no, of course, absolutely. Is And but again, you didn't mention Catholicism, so attaboy. Um, <laughs> is, it's it's vampire fiction, but it's a different kind of vampire fiction. Like, it's, it, it is Indeed. distinctly something itself, because I, and even I think to this day, it's probably true that vampire fiction... Like a huge, obviously, a huge part of vampire lore is kind of sex and romance, uh, but I think that that's almost entirely absent in Legacy of Cain, aside from Blood Omen Two, when we don't speak of Blood Omen Two. Um, oh yes, yes. We we speak of it eventually. You but, can speak uh... of Blood Omen Two. I'm not talking about Blood Omen Two, but because <laughs> I remember at the time I had read, I'm pretty sure I'd already read Interview with the Vampire and the Vampire Lestat. Um, now I didn't fully appreciate. Um, the subtext of the books, if I can put it that way. But I I kind of knew, and I'd watched a, a little bit of Buffy and that kind of stuff. Hadn't read Dracula at the time. But I knew that vampire lore was already kind of wrapped up in, in romance and romanticism and, and this kind of very yes. emotional, heartfelt stuff. But then you get to Legacy of Cain, and it's like, no, this is just, this is just dynastic politics and time travel and super races and it, all this metaphysics and, and this incredibly bizarre stuff so i really do think it, it stands alone maybe not alone but but certainly in kind of modern vampire fiction like you're not going to get many girls like having a battle of team kane versus team raziel like that's that's not gonna, i'm sure i'm sure there is no, I mean, Given that one is a kittiness uh, undead overlord is the second is like a corpse that is being dragged to hell and back Missing a lower jaw, I, I think that's a given. Well, look, I've, I've, I mean, I've seen some good-looking girls go with some absolutely fuck-ugly dudes, but I think that that would be pushing pushing it to its limits. Um, but that is something that, that really stood out to me, that it's it's taking vampires in a very, very... I don't want to say different direction, because I don't have a monopoly on... on you know, or, or I don't have a, a mental monopoly mm-hmm. or an omniscience on all things vampire. But I certainly can't recall anything that treats vampires and vampirism the same way that Legacy of Cain does. does. Does anybody else kind of have that experience? Yeah, that's a really, really good observation. And I, um, Thank you. I thought the same thing, and it's something that I really liked about it too. I um, also, it's always just been the thing with me where it's like, if you're going to do vampires, I don't like them fucking. I don't like them having sex. Well, that's I don't a pity. Like that. that doesn't work for me. So like, you basically don't like anything to do with vampires aside from Legacy of Cain. No, 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 no. No, no, no. There's other vampires that are like this. Django, you listen like, to Typo Negative and you don't like vampires having sex. Half of Typo this, Negative hold, songs. Hold on, hold on, hold on, sir. I don't find vampires using sex as like a as like bait and allure, but that's something different than vampires actually having sex because that's not how vampires procreate unless you want to do dampiers, which let's 
hold, hold off. No, let's not talk about that right now. But even like, then. even like even then, you know, it's like fucking zombies. Zombies don't procreate by having sex. If they don't have sex, thank well, I mean, God, they procreate by fucking eating each that's, other. That's, shit. that's the yeah, principle that's right. of the undead, the revenant, yeah. that it uh, it is barren of all life. And uh, even then, like Legacy of Cain kind of subverts that because uh, big spoilers here in Legacy of Cain. Uh, the vampires are not actually Yeah, I should say, like, caveat, caveat lector. <laughs> anybody who... Not caveat lector, caveat... Auditor? Caveat auditor? Anybody who listens to this, oh this God. is full spoilers. Uh, I, I think we're kind of okay if we, we try yeah, to pull Yeah, it's been out, it's been out even, 20 like, fucking years. The first legacy years. of King kind of miss, miss does Latin uh, quotes as well. Like, uh, I still remember Manus Seller die being mispronounced, but that's just a tidbit. Um, but no, no, yeah, yeah, you were right. The vampire observation and then vampires was a big deal in the nineties. Uh, like in, I watched a lot of Buffy. I I, I like Buffy. I think we lot. all did I've watch a lot of Buffy. Uh, I mean, what's, dude, Faith? Any, you know, and still. Sorry, sorry. I just want to clarify something here. Faith, not Faith. a chance. Cordelia. It's all about the Cordelia. You you can do whatever you want. You with may continue. Cordy. Whatever. Uh. uh yeah, I like I, I I like the aspect of vampires that this that this thing created, um, because I I don't know I, f- I feel like vampires are rooted heavily in like romanticism and and shit like that, but that doesn't necessarily mean fucking like you can have other giant yeah. like, like s- well s- soul wrenching desires and these like big over the top themes and stuff that's not necessarily about uh. Well, the idea of the vampire is always about some kind of transgression. The, uh, in literature, it was always about, uh, you know, uh, the sexual transgression, partially. Uh, without that kind of carnal aspect, uh, other vampire uh, myths kind of came about the transgression of um, territory or stuff like that. So it always comes down to some kind of transgression. But I think, uh, uh, the base transgression of, of course, being that they are also dead that walk around the earth. So that there's also a yeah. transgression of well, natural I think order. You've been quiet for like ten minutes. Are you okay over there? Yeah. No, I'm good. Um, I've been thinking because mostly thinking and listening, right? So, I, I guess for me, it, it's it's a different perspective. My window into the world of Nazgoth has always been Raziel as a specter for the most part. So I don't even quite think vampires so much when I think Legacy of Cain, um, which is strange, I, you know, because of the, the Cain part. Yeah. But um, well, that is kind of the one of the kind of genesis of Genesis genocide of this podcast was me realizing you're a massive Raziel fanboy and that I am a massive Cain fanboy, and the kind of the the dichotomy of that and kind of the the reflection of personalities it it causes. So it doesn't surprise me that you think of, of Nosgoth primarily as the kind of the wraith spiritual world as opposed to the vampires. And there's a lot of perspectives you can take. If you wanted to, you could pretend like a story of two in, in Legacy of Cain Defiance don't exist. And you can maintain the perspective of the world completely through Raziel. And if you do that, Cain is still a giant asshole. He's a narcissist. <laughs> and sort of Raziel... Sorry, I'm not standing for that. Of... I'm not standing for slander of Cain. <laughs> 25 minutes, not even 20 minutes. Well, you know who also did it? Raziel. He also did not stand for it, sir. No, he got stabbed for it. But <laughs> Repeatedly. Repeatedly. It's, it's, you said it best. It's like Neo Shakespeare, right? Um, I think 
One thing I would add to what I was saying earlier is one of the things I love about Soul Reaver is the voice actors are so convincing and so charismatic yes. that the drama is unbelievably powerful. So you, I was always rooting for Raziel. I wanted him to succeed. And yeah. like it's weird. The audience wants to find out what's really going on. But I think what makes Soul Reaver so unique is, more importantly, I wanted Raziel to find out what was going on. It wasn't good enough for me to know what the story was. I wanted Raziel to get the truth. So bad. Yeah. It almost didn't even matter what the truth was, right? So, really Raziel it? does have a problem with finding out the truth. Like, He's an idiot. Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's his problem. He's dumb as fuck. That's, that's one thing. Like, it's my also personal... fun. If you get... Go ahead. My personal... Sorry, we can cover how dumb Raziel is in the Raziel episode. Well... But my first personal favorite <laughs> dumb Raziel moment is when he threat he forces Mobius to like send him back in time, and then Mobius sends him to totally the wrong time zone. I was like, the future. Oh, that's what the a first? shock! Well, what a shock, I mean, Raziel! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to consider his options as well, though. Uh, he should oh, have God. considered his options beforehand. But yes, he's a reading level. All, all of his one options, right? <laughs> I think his. But I mean, even so, I think a big part of that—that's just a reflection of the stuff you start to feel or learn about Raziel as you go along. It's like this dude is so fucking self-focused, tunnel vision, entitled, whiny bitch. I will say, we like him. I love him. I like Raziel, but he is all those things. I will say, and he's fucking like... so driven by like his self-righteous vendetta against Kane that he's fucking right. I'm not gonna get thrown back in time. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not gonna get fucked over. That's not though. gonna happen. Yeah, like, I'm the Kane bit... fanboy, but I will say, like, from Raziel's perspective, Kane murdered him. <laughs> like, I will, I will grant the man it's okay to be vindictive and obsessed with Kane when the man literally. It, it, initially, it's fair. Initially. It is. And, but I mean, like, you know, and Kane knows all of that and he calls him out on it like throughout the whole fucking series it's true it's like dude the only reason why you're here is because i hurt your feelings and you've been chasing me through fucking time with a grudge let's drop like, the moral posturing shall we yeah like dude stop that yeah it's exactly the that. line of the line and uh the line which is another really great aspect of this series is that there's almost no good guys in this shit they're yeah. there's all dickheads and they're all cool dickheads and they're dickheads that you still and want to invest and, in heavily invested, and you want to follow through their their stories. Like Hank was saying, you want Graziel to get to somewhere, even though. Where, where are you going, dude? You're, there's nowhere to go. You're fucking. Like, I, I, um, do, I do want to. You know, every one of them is at least competent. Even if, like, uh, Raziel has this problem with, like, being quite naive in a sense, but uh, even then, he's quite competent in uh, in other ways. and um, the, the whole series is set up like this giant Shakespearean king's drama. Like, this is about powerful, exceptional people, discounting that one of them is an undead vampire, the other one is a wraith or a, an apparition or whatever. Uh, and the third one is a sorcerer who can manipulate time, etc. The fourth one is a god, de- deity, essentially. Like, they all have like lovable characteristics, like as people, and have roles to play. Very enjoyable roles in a. Um, I would almost say that every game is like watching a play, and every one of the games is like a, a stage. Well, that does bring me on to something I, I wanted to, to bring up, and Django first touched on it, and it's, it's somewhat of a, sh- of a disgrace it wasn't mentioned in any of our opening monologues. Uh, the voice acting in this game and the dialogue in this game, I'm presuming, like, 
there will probably be some, most. some people listening to this who have never uh, kind of fully or seriously engaged with Legacy of Kane or who have never kind of sat down and, and watched Legacy of Kane. Um, I presume like there'll be a lot of girls listening to this because they want to have sex with me. But for <laughs> all of those people, like we're not exaggerating when we say the voice acting and dialogue is... It, it's no, out, no, no. It's out, could be out of Shakespeare. It is incredible. Um, it blows, blows everything out of the water. It really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's extraordinary. Like, like I, I watch cinematics in World of Warcraft and it doesn't hold a candle to Legacy of Kings. I find it offensive you no, 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 even no, no, bring no, no, that no. up, frankly. Like, up front, we should have issued a spoiler <laughs> warning and then we should have been like, listen, just so you know, there's no hyperbole in any of this really? whatsoever. There's no like, hyperbole to be found. This is a, a voice acting and act, that shit, amazing. Bar nine. I mean, we, we like Crow mentioned the line, let's drop the moral posturing, shall we? But if, if you're listening to this and you haven't you, you've either never or, or haven't recently listened to the the monologue at the Pillars. Pause this, open up another tab on YouTube, and look up Cain and Raziel at the Pillars. Let's drop the moral posturing, shall we? We both know there's no altruism in this pursuit. Your reckless indignation led you here. I counted on it. There's no shame in it, Raziel. Revenge is motivation enough. At least it's honest. Hate me, but do it honestly. It, it, it's like something out of like uh, Richard the Third. Yeah, Richard the like, Third or, or Henry the Fifth. It's, it's not. Just it's incredible. not for the writing, which is also stellar. Like uh, the delivery of those are well done by state stage travel actors, and quite famous ones, I might add. And, and like it, it would like the the line is let's drop the moral posturing, shall we? Like that. It, it's it would be hard enough to say that and not sound stupid. But it it is oh it just burns out. It's I I cannot and I think I I'd speak for all of us here. We cannot speak highly enough of the voice acting on this series. Yeah. It, it is yeah, so yeah, integrated yeah. into oh the world. Oh my god! It's endemic. Like the the lang- the game uses its own language. Or even um, what's what's the line? Uh, he says to the the courtier in the in the first one. Uh, the stench of the fields hangs upon you like a pall. It's just, yeah. like, how can you say that it'd be taken seriously? And yet he is. Temp, you were going to say something. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that it's, it, it really, it, it's not, you could say it's the best all, all day, because I really think as far as, ga- at least gaming goes, it is. And it's competitive outside of gaming as well. But the, the product of that is that these characters feel unbelievably real even today. Raziel still feels like a person. I'm still, part of me will always be rooting for Raziel. Yeah, you know, absolutely. to get through the plains of Nazgoth, right? And listen, that is tough to pull off. Because like I said, Raziel is such a bitch, and he's not a cool character. He's a dumb... <laughs> God, but man. no, dude, it's okay. The cool thing is that he's all those those things, but you are so fucking invested in, like, seeing what happens, because at some point you realize that the story becomes about him. The story's not about him fucking, you know, doing anything with the Elder God, or, like, even Kane really. The fucking whole thing turns into a giant tragedy you're watching this guy slowly start to discover himself and once you kind of get that and this guy starts to see bit by bit and you get to see bit by bit it just gets sadder and worse but in a good way like you want to get to the bottom of it just like he does and by, but by the end of it you're like basically you're going to figure out who raziel is and you guys are both raziel and the audience get your hands over your eyes like i don't want to see anymore man but you just keep fucking going you know it's going to be so sad and the twist like this is, just gets sadder and sadder yeah. the twist at the end of soul reaver um 
it, the first time it just blows you away and like i think it's um, I, I think it is the it is the first time i can remember certainly me like in any form of media be it book or movie or game or whatever finding out the twist at the end and then immediately starting the story again to play through with that perspective and it's yeah it hindsight uh, yeah playing the game again is uh the only other vampire game uh, coincidentally it's a vampire game is like uh, i don't know whether you have played vampire the bloodlines is like there, there's always this caveat to playing the game. It's like you should play the, the game through like with, with any other clan aside from Malkavian, because uh, Malkavians are uh, naturally insane, but they have this predilection to, towards prophecy. And throughout the broken fragments of insane stuff that your character says, uh, you actually spoil the um, the events coming beforehand uh, before you reach them. And it's like first you play through the game. You, you have your insights on what the game does to you. And then playing again with the Malkavian, it's like, aha, uh-huh, so that's a reference to this upcoming thing. And it's like, it's, it's very uh, important for like uh, Soul Reaver as well, because if you replay it, and if you have the hindsight of like your playthroughs of the whole story, you, you have these subtle little uh, indications in the dialogue that that's i'm so appreciative of that because it's it's that game is a master of irony like every dialogue is dripping with like hidden meaning even it's like not nothing complex but it's like exceptionally well crafted uh to the characters themselves i will say i never I, i never played bloodlines but I did go on a date with a goth girl who was really into it, who never answered my texts after that date. So I'm presuming it's stupid. Um, and it's for... Uh, you presume you're wrong. You, no, you, you really stupid. should give that game a... Well, it wasn't a game. She was into like the... There's a, like a role-playing, like a D&D style shit you can do for something like that. Oh, shit. Oh, that's just like more... Well, we'll get to it maybe some other time then. Well, if, if she's listening, work, Emily, yeah. if you're listening, how dare you not text me back. Anyway, Django, <laughs> you were saying... I was not saying. Oh, Chrome was saying. Chrome was saying. All right, then I'll just wrap this uh, with like a short thing. Like the, the biggest thing about that, like uh, that hindsight thing and that well-crafted dialogue and everything, the whole story averts one of the biggest uh, problems that modern big storytelling games have is that throughout the entirety of the series, even if it's like momentarily uh, weird towards it, but it never turns into melodrama. It's not cheap drama. It's tragedy. Like, every scene that has, like, great relevance doesn't turn into a parody of itself. And Are you talking what's... about Soul Reaver still or, or, or Vampire? <laughs> I hope Soul Reaver. Uh, like... Soul Reaver. Like, I'm sorry. No, I, okay, I, okay, okay, I'm with you. I okay. saw some... Well, some games do turn into the parodies of themselves mid-game. So, oh, Soul Reaver kind of averts that. Even the humor in that game is like fucking amazing. Like uh, some simple lines is, uh, when Re- Re- Raziel consults with the other guys. Like, do you think if I tell Mobius that he worships a giant squid, would he believe me? Like, so simple and yet so fitting to the uh, to the the characters themselves. Or of course, the the funniest line in all of video games. I always was yes. considered heartless. Oh yes, um, that one we <laughs> forgot about that. 
Sorry. Took me I, I love that. <laughs> I love like, that. Every time I see it, I just crack up a smile. Because like, like I can just imagine there. Kane with like a shit-eating grin. It's like I always was considered heartless. So, yeah, no worming yourself after this one. <laughs> and I mean, there's no way to like, e- even like with the writing as competent and specific and and, and on purpose as the, as the writing is all through that thing. Like, man... <laughs> You say so many times the reaver now fully aroused. <laughs> like <laughs> You know that's You know what you're doing. Purpose. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, I, uh, has any of you like uh, studied <laughs> Shakespeare? Like my my uh, literature teacher used to joke around that uh, his sonnets were about 50% like sex jokes. <laughs> I will say if we if we're going to go in like a a, a reaver mean... as dick direction, I would like to officially disavow myself from any metaphor wherein the reaver is a dick <laughs> fully aroused the reaver turned its to hunger fair, on me to like, be fair like if, if yeah, raziel yeah. and the reaver are one and the same like is a man and his dick not one and the same but i'm not going down I, that line of thinking you know, you know see you know. that's a dick joke done with style and see that's <laughs> it's an academic dick joke it's fucking <laughs> yeah. it's high it's very highbrow actually <laughs> I, I, See, I, I again, it's the fucking uh, one thing of, uh... can do this nowadays <laughs> no it doesn't happen nope anyway well one thing that I think uh, was touched on by I think everybody and, and something that always jumped out to me is how excellent the world building is and I think yes. it's the game deserves a huge amount of credit for not, not only it's, it's writing and you know, the strength of it and it's, it's Artistic direction and its musical direction. Well, we say artistic direction. The graphics have not aged well, but they don't have to. Um, oh no! But no, um, but the designs are good. The designs, the designs yeah, are good. I, I, yeah. I wanted to say that that uh, despite working with PS One graphics, which are essentially uh, yeah, a box of milk, you know, with Pretty drawings much. on them. Uh, it, even before that, because like most of you have started with the Soul Reaver series, uh, I started with the first Legacy of Kane, which was essentially. Uh, Horror Zelda on the PC. Yeah, done I with, played uh, that. I, I got that on the PS. Three twenty by two hundred, <laughs> I think, or maybe larger. I was, I was expecting like, <laughs> I was expecting because uh, Defiance was my first one, and then when it came on the PS store like eight years later, I was like, I'm gonna buy all the, I'm gonna buy the, the whole pack, and I started the first Blood Omen, and I was like, what in what the, the name? What the fuck is this? Of, I was born in nineteen ninety four. What is the fuck is yeah. this? <laughs> yeah, the, like um. Well, the first game is unique in uh, a lot of ways, uh, which uh, I think are best left for later extrapolation. Possibly. But uh, uh, even that, like e- even in that game, um, the original design ideas, like it, it looks silly. It's it's essentially Muppets down with three D animation, so to speak. But uh, even then, like in Defiance, if you take a look at how Vorador is dressed, is is just an updated version of the original designs done in nineteen ninety four, and like the visual identity of the games are so strong that there's nothing like that. Like you look at it, it's it has the same mixture of this um, Victorian esque. Uh, kind of um, uh, over-decorated ruin mixed together with some uh, sort of like quasi-industrial uh, steampunk aesthetics done in essentially a world that is either on the brink of collapse and or way past the point of collapse. So it, it's 
it's uh, a giant melting pot of different styles and uh should i say subgenres because it's um i i would say that the original timeline of the soul river is essentially like a middle ages themed uh post-apocalyptic game like that world has a lot in common with, for example fallout only instead of nukes it's vampires middle ages maybe some celtic elements in there as well Oh, definitely. Vampire ruins do bring up a lot of like uh, plant-like decorations. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's visually absolutely unique. I also say Celtic because there's a lot like a, a lot of like swamp Im- imagery, mm-hmm. a lot of like like especially when you get to uh. You're talking story for two. Story for one. Story for one. Even one and two, like yeah. Yeah, a lot of things look moist in Story for One, but I think that's I'm, I think my my brain is literally like gravitating towards Rahab, so that would <laughs> and, um, ah yes, Zephon. Rahab, Zephon. the best glitch in video game boss fighting. Yeah, that glitch, man. <laughs> that shit's immortal. That shit is beautiful. He was attacking during the cutscene while oh. having a discourse about the nature of loyalty. <laughs> what? But that speaking Sevatar, of Sevatar, you got all quiet all of a sudden. Maybe it's on my end. No, I was I was just listening to, to everybody talk. Um, oh. um rare <laughs> moment rare moment of restraint for me. Thanks, Django, for pointing okay, that out. Right. Um yeah. but one thing I, I wanted to say on the topic of restraint is I think the game deserves a huge amount of credit for its restraint in only showing you kind of enough of all the characters to kind of keep them interesting. Like I can't help but think that uh a lesser form of media or or less and i don't mean in terms of video game but i mean a lesser story a lesser creative team would have made each of the brothers that that raziel has to kill a kind of a much bigger deal and maybe overexpose them whereas like i find yeah it's like zephon to me is is probably my favorite character in the series one of my favorite characters in all of fiction um and zephon has like 20 minutes <laughs> and then he's gone and we know yeah. he's done he, cool character. Glad you liked him. We're moving on. Um, and I, that gives, two minutes of speaking part. That's yeah, it. Yeah, two minutes of speaking part, and despite that, has one of the best lines in the history of writing, which is uh, what is it? Instinct will A forward reflex. more so. No, no, no. It's uh, will instinct reflex action. The insect mind discerns little difference. Like absolute banger yep. of a line. Incredible line. Yeah, it's like. It's almost as if the personalities were uh, crucial in designing the characters. So, like, first came the personality with the style, and then everything in the gameplay was kind of, like, feels like it was uh, tailor-made to the kind of confrontation, especially with the boss fights in uh, Soul River 1. It was like, everything is also, like, gameplay-wise and visually uh, tailor-made to these characters. It's... um, Really, really, really. Uh, oh no! Uh, <laughs> come on! It's like sorry for almost like the universe arranged for these kind of hyper stylized meetings, but uh, it never becomes excessive. Like a modern game would make the Zephon fight, which is quite fast and quite like simple if you think about it. It would make it like a multi-stage 
15 minute slog of a super boss fight to make it cinematic because it's a giant character. And Rahab oh. is the same. They it? show restraint. It's Rahab that you just shatter the windows and you can do it in like 10 seconds and then he dies, isn't it? Yep. 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 Even um, if like the boss fights are like underwhelming, the personal confrontation that happens in that boss fight is. Um, it's more than enough to at least I, I think I might be able to speak for all of us like it, it's more than able to uh, make up for the lack of like actual gameplay because Soul River 1 is well it, it, it's quite odd when it comes Honestly, to like I think, gameplay and, and content I, I may be contradicted on this but I really do think that the best way to enjoy Legacy of Cain is to like a cinema like you can find it on YouTube like the cinematic cutscenes because the gameplay just it, like, it, it never needed to be good, but it never was good. Like, it was fine. Well, it was, it was I, I don't fine know if I would say fine. that. Well, I, I would defer to your judgment on that, uh, Django or I mean, Temp. I've, because... seen, I've seen Django stream the game, and it looked awful. Playing that on the PC was a slog. <laughs> well, but at the, when I'm, like, at the time, though, like it wasn't awful. At the time, it was... You could do... and I, If you're not, then shame on you. You could do a whole episode talking about the development of this game. Um, that game specifically, if not the whole series. But yeah, that's a really... Uh, development of this game is development of this game is as interesting as anything else. Um, but that one at the time, like it had all the stuff going on, like oh, this is a sh- open world sorta streaming environment. He was the first one that did that, um, and it had all this other shit going on where it was, it wasn't bad at first, and, it, and it's still, right and now it's only bad because everything else has gotten better since then. But back also, then, like if have- you played fucking Tomb Raider or s- versus Soul Reaver one. Soul Reaver 1 was a way more fun to play. It was just a way better controlling game, gameplay-wise. Like, everything was learning how to do everything back then, which is amazing uh, they did as much as they did. At that time, I think they were trying to figure out how to do, like, proper 3D platforming and fighting. Uh, that, that really was the age of experimental gameplay. It was. Like, th- th- that's not going to happen again, unless there's a paradigm shift in technology. Right, right. Well, well but there's another... Go ahead. It... Well, the wind conditions of killing enemies in that game is unbelievably unique. And the wind conditions change from area to area, because sometimes you have the Soul Reaver, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have background elements. The villains are villains. I guess the enemies in the gameplay loop are essentially immortal, and you need creativity and observation to kill them. And that doesn't really get old. I still I still feel like that holds up. Um, For the platforming, I think... Soul Reaver ought to get compared to uh, Ocarina of Time, but I think it's almost more akin to Mario 64, where, yes, is it glitched? Is it difficult? Is it jank? Yes, but you're, you're not going there for a smooth experience. You're going there for the dopamine release you get when you succeed, mm-hmm. and that hasn't gone away. That's oh. still very much alive in Soul Reaver, oh. no matter way, what you play it in. By the way, Tam, there's also one important thing to mention that Soul Reaver does, is that while your enemies are functionally immortal, so are you. And the, I haven't seen that in a lot of games. Because in yeah, Soul Reaver, you have no fail save, uh, state. Raziel I mean, gets killed, he reverts to the spirit realm. If and, you die in the spirit realm, but you go back to the Elder God? I think so. I, I, think, that, I think that's how it's been a while. Which is I another mean, I example die. of how Raziel is a bitch and Kane isn't, because you know, Raziel can yeah. just keep dying, whereas Kane, uh, Kane Let, let me tell you all the let me tell you all about the ways that you can die in Legacy of Kane 1 because, oh man, while Kane isn't a bitch in that game, there are certainly ways you can fuck yourself over, so to speak. 
Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, um, I feel like the only time Story for One really ages badly is when something doesn't work the way it should, like landing on a ledge. That's problematic. Yeah. And then the excess block puzzles. That's really the only aspects I feel like did not survive the times. Uh, so, sorry, what was the last thing you mentioned? Block puzzles. Yes, the the excess. Oh uh, yeah, I, I thought the, so. Block block yeah. puzzles can go to hell. <laughs> it, I think that's something like is that re- is that a solely for problem or was that just like that was the time problem? Uh, Everybody was doing. Yeah, it that was the yeah. crunch. That You're was right. the fucking deal. Because fucking uh, Tomb Raider was doing it too. Like you gotta have yeah, block puzzles but, everywhere um... all the time, and you gotta have platforming on top of these block, uh, block puzzles. And the but industry hadn't figured out how to do things. platforming at, at that mm-hmm. point. Three in three D, like everybody was still working on that shit. Yeah. Also, like uh, just to go into a little bit of the development, like Soul River One was about halfway done. You know, like, the original intention was that Soul River One and Two story would be a complete game, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. of course, it was untenable. Like, like there were a lot of like tweaking and you know uh, working around the original ideas uh, when Soul River One was released. And uh, I'm I'm actually quite thankful that the gameplay was at least as functional as it was. Saying that on the PC had its problems. Like <sighs> Resident Evil controls, uh, I have Vietnam flashbacks to that and Soul River One's uh, PC version because controlling that was kind of like to, to borrow like from Yahtzee, like controlling a fat man on a unicycle. Mm. I was going to say, uh, I'm looking at the notes. Did y'all still want to talk about steampunk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so uh, to, to raise the curtain slightly for everybody at home uh, on my, my agenda notes, I have dark Gothic, but without the romantic element. And steampunk without the dickhead element. Uh, so... <laughs> I, I think there's a romantic element. I think there is. But really? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Not in the way that most people think. Uh, yeah, are yeah. we using romantic as in relationship problem? Or are we using romantic as in the storytelling uh, version? I'm, I'm like romantic in literature. A, in a relationship love kind of Do, way. Yeah, yeah well, I don't think no anybody... I don't think anybody romanticizes anything ever as much as Raziel does himself. Throughout this whole, this whole thing. He oh, did, yeah. Like, oh, my God. I was the best fucking Seraphim noble. Look at me. I was so pretty. The Raziel episode is going to be subtitled Django versus Temp, the Thunderdome. No, no I love I love Raziel. I think, and, and all this stuff, all that shit that I talk is, is actually a compliment. Because I defy anyone to write a character as flawed and unlikable and still be super likable as they did Raziel. You you never get sick of this guy. You never dislike him. He's never off putting. Really, you still want to stick with him, which is not easy to do with a character who's that much mm-hmm. of a whitey bitch. Temp might actually get this <laughs> reference, but I do see a lot of Shinji in Raziel. I'm I'm raising the oh, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're not talking about anime. We're not. Yeah. I'm, I'm exercising. We have reached our anime allowance. I I'm exercising <laughs> my veto power as host of this podcast. There will be no anime talk in my presence. Oh shucks! <laughs> well, dang. <laughs> um, it, I'd, but, well, yeah. to simplify, uh, I do get the feeling that uh, Raziel is very quick to jump to conclusions and very quick to uh, sell himself on an idea. Like, uh, 
he 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 must have been like a really good Sarah fan, so to speak. And then when he finds out, obviously oh, that his yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> hindsight, his things like he yeah. must kind of must have been like uh, again like uh, must be uh, Kane's right hand. Once he realizes that his role in Kane's destiny is essentially him kind of uh, submitting himself to the the, the realms of fate. And well, that raises an interesting it, it, question. Yeah, like... Go ahead. I was going to say it raises an interesting question as to kind of, I mean, discerning what, you know, Kane's true feelings and motives. But it, Rahab does kind of hint quite heavily in dialogue that he and, like, that Kane actually confides in Rahab yes. at a level he doesn't confide into anybody else. Um, and that could just be because I think Rahab chronologically is probably the last brother who's reasonably sane left. Um, yes. And Kane might have just gotten lonely. Uh, but that I, I think that bears mentioning that Ra- Raziel certainly does have main character syndrome. Now, he is kind of the main oh, character, yeah. but it's like I was Kane's number one lieutenant. I am Kane's destined right-hand man. I am the Hilden Messiah. I was the best Sarah fan. And it's like... All right, buddy. Um, it's a little, it's a little Gary Stu. Anyway, Temp is probably mm-hmm. foaming at the mouth to defend. <laughs> well, I was going to say that, and that concludes the steampunk section of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, if you, if you guys want to talk about I steampunk, mean, it, feel free. I have very little well, to steampunk. It, it does it kind of play of into the steampunk because we need to talk about the future of Nosgoth and the fact that this is the, to my view, the only time traveling story in video games that actually makes. Correct. Kind of sense. Correct. Or, well, it, it does it way better than the average Terminator plot. Well, and the only like you, you brought up Terminator, and the only like I think franchises that picking. generally do Terminator that do Terminator well, that do time travel well, were like the first two Terminators, and oh, well, not even those. Not well, they were okay. Like they weren't bad, but they were fine. And, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I can give you that. And and Legacy of Kane, like I mean. What's that novel? There was a novel, a sci-fi novel written in the 60s about time travel. I mean, there was a, a lot, lot of them. Oh, there was a lot of them, yeah. Uh, Go on, Jenga. Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, I, I, mean, I know it, but I can't think of it. Yeah, it's going to come back to me. It's going to annoy me. Anyway, um, steampunk, if we, if we want to discuss steampunk, feel free, mm-hmm. gentlemen. Well, uh, the fact that uh, originally it started out as like a dark fantasy game, like the first Legacy of Cain, dealt uh, with a kind of dark European high middle ages style of setting. Seeing Soul Reaver set in like this apocalyptic wasteland with like giant steam pipes, etc. Which uh, kind of brings, uh, again, easy pickings, steam pipes, therefore steampunk. Uh, there is a lot of uh, machinery and themes of industry in uh, games. Uh, I think uh, in Blood Omen 2 more so than in any other game, but uh, yeah, uh, it does kind of feed into the fact that uh, the, vamp- the vampire conquest done by Kane kind of took over Nosgoth's world, and they well, the original intention was that they produce these giant smokestacks to create enough smog to block out the sun rays. While Kane and his lieutenants are uh, quite resilient, the vampire race, which, uh, spoilers, was kind of hunted to near extinction, uh, kind of doesn't do well in the sun. I just want to interject that the novel I was thinking of was Time and Again by Jack Finney. But obviously there's like, 
the end of eternity the forever war there's a lot of good sci-fi time travel novels. i'll need to read that but the one i was that's that's not on if you haven't that's read, not on my if you haven't read time and again do read it but read end of eternity first like end of eternity might be the best time travel story I've, do. Ever, I've ever read isaac asimov anyway um yeah i uh, apologies for inter- if for interrupting hmm yeah, so uh, I, I do love the fact that like the vampires utilized the industry and uh, kind of used it to block out the sun and kind of hunted humanity into a subservient, uh, kind of dependent blockade of a species. And also, it's it's uh, it's what what uh, what's kind of interesting to me is that like most like um, the stock fantasy world kind of always has this weird aversion to uh, industrial advancement. Yes. And it's good to see that this world actually kind of does have technological advancement, and it's not the usual fare of technology versus magic because the bo- both are like uh, yes. countering each other like in the game of Arcanum, or just uh, the industry is left to the wayside as like, a, like a, some weird alternative to magic i think like in in this way i'm going to praise world of warcraft world because uh, in that world technology and magic kind of are coexisting uh, habitually next to each other and both are quite advancing like uh world of warcraft and by the later stages uh, what's left of the world is kind of middle ages the uh, only in style like Technology is way more advanced than the average um, the culture that you see, which is also bare bones because by Soul Reaver, humanity are barely scraping by. Like, there's not enough of humans to. They're like chicken wings in America right now. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Excuse me, what? (laughs) (laughs) They they got that wing wing shortage. You you guys are having a chicken wing shortage. A chicken wing shortage, so places places are carrying thighs rather than wings, and so pushing them out, which is uh, not a bad thing. It's actually probably better. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to look this up. It's also chicken wing inflation. Ex- excuse me a moment. I'm actually I'm gonna spend five minutes reading about this. Well, yeah. <laughs> chicken wing shortages. Sorry, energy shortage. Chicken wing shortage. Oh, this is going to date this video. Man, it is. No, no, no. But no, I I I agree with what uh. Chrome was saying it was something that I've always liked about that about the games, uh, Soul Reaver one in particular. I think uh, going back to, yeah, won't say the source, one of the sources, uh, uh, Bram Stoker. Jesus Dracula. Christ! There's actually a chicken wing shortage. Read it, dude, yes. How do you have a chicken wing shortage? You people must have massive industrial farms where you raise and slaughter billions of chickens a day. How are you having a chicken wing problem? I was given to understand you should take that, that up with the person that has a farm. I was given to understand that on the Super Bowl, you people just consumed four kilos of chicken wings a day. Thank well, you, Colonel Sanders. Super Bowl, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I mean, for anybody who, who did watch a Super Bowl, uh, our, our our commiserations as a podcast is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, who day? Who day? So, uh, <laughs> if you haven't read Bram Stoker's Dracula, by the way, you should. You should. Listening. It is good. Enough. Come on. It's one of the pinnacles of English literature. Yes, it is. It, and written it, by an Irishman. I, I do love the fact that there's a shitload of information that uh, Bram Stoker actually uh, kind of gets wrong because, like, as, tell him, Crumb. Yeah, like I, I, I live on the border of Slovakia and Hungary, and like uh, this is happening in Transylvania, 
way above where the historical Dracula lived. Like, but even then, like past the Borgo Pass, like Slovaks slowing up, showing up there. That's yeah. uh, look. This is like, this is anti, just like my tidbit. This is anti-Irish it's, prejudice. It's, it's, I'm not going to stand for that. Uh, as an Irishman, <laughs> we have contributed. No, it's like there, maybe there are four some... good things to the planet. Dracula is one of them. <laughs> I'm not going to stand for that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm actually praising. Uh, like, it, it has some weird stuff, which are like uh, I, I I won't say that it's like uh, impossible for Slovaks to show up in Transylvania. It's, I would say maybe perhaps improbable, but I'm going to read up on that. Chrome, you do realize but, uh, that the average listener to this podcast is going to be American. <laughs> well, maybe somebody listens in from Europe or something else. I don't care. Like, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't wish know. to imply that Americans have. A tenuous grasp on on geography. I wish to imply Americans have no grasp on geography. Just... Thank God that these Soul Reaver games didn't have that attitude, sir. Otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't be here right now. You know, like the... you gotta fucking put put the good shit out there so somebody can find it. Otherwise, nobody will. But no, oh, no, man. The... Uh... I could back like poetical about how uh, Soul Reaver could be used to explore themes of Gnosticism. Them would love that. Well, it we... can be used for a lot of things. I and mean, we should do, yes, we should do a, a, um, a, philo- a philosophy episode. But yeah, Django, you were talking about Dracula. What was I saying about Dracula? Oh, Dracula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and the, 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 some of the world building and the steampunk stuff. Um, a, a really big like recurring theme and part of um, Gothic literature is sci-fi. And a lot of people don't really think about it. But it is, and, and that was one of the biggest things of... It's not sci-fi as much in Dracula, but it is about taking this, you know, person who is like a very old world type person, like guy, Dracula, but he wants to come into the new world and mm-hmm. and, and, and experience uh, modern technology, what was modern then, and living a life of a, a more modern person, and that's a huge part of the driving force behind everything in that book. That's why he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so... That kind of like old world and new world technology, uh, industrialization, all this shit, it's a really important part of the thing. And I think that Soul Reaver 1 having this uh, future, this wasteland that is Steampunk and whatnot, it, like, and the va- to come along with the vampires, to me it's a good fit. And I really like the way that they that they handled it. Um, I I think it's a, it's it's nice, and a lot of people overlook that thing. It has um, I, I, actual thought put into it, like uh, the ruins of the original vampires with wings. Like those structures do not conform to our average human needs of doors and etc. Do. Those are literally Aries. Like people could fly around them, so no staircases. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. And what was I saying? Oh yeah, technology, sci-fi. That stuff's good. What else was I fucking saying? I forgot. I'm old. Damn it. We're all <laughs> old. I believe Sorry. you were talking about uh, chicken wings. Sorry. And... Yeah, no. That's what it... That's what, that was my mistake. Uh... <laughs> now I'm hungry. It's just um... that, you know, also the fact that you, if you put vampires together, your your second stylistic uh, addition to that won't usually be post-apocalyptic stuff. No. No, and Especially if it is, with medieval it's... themes. I mean, you know, like I'm sure there are other examples, but the one that springs to my mind is the, the Underworld series. Uh, better known uh, as Kate Beckinsale and Latex. Well, look, Kate Beckinsale and Latex. I'm not going to stand for slander of that. Um, I love that film. The first one. The first one's good. The, and then, like, yeah. by the time Charles Dance, I love Charles Dance, but by the time Charles Dance shows up in your in your series, it's probably too late. Um, the the post apocalyptic one is indecipherably bad. 
Which is... They got into hot water with White Wolf with that boom. Really? Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, it does kind of borrow a lot from uh, White Wolf's uh, Vampire the Masquerade role-playing game, I think. Uh, yeah. Like... WWE Wrestling, I think, also had this problem because they introduced a couple of vampirish characters and one of them was called Gangrel, which yeah, is sorry, a Yeah, sorry, so in... we're, we're getting into late 90s WWF, very Uh-oh. much a Savitaire topic. Uh, that was, yeah, Gangrel, Gangrel yes. and Edge and Christian, mm-hmm. yeah. Correct me if, if that's not the actually brood, WWE. The Brood, Oh, yeah. With, and if, again, I'll, I'll issue a recommendation to the listeners, pause this, open up another YouTube tra- tab, Type in the brood. wrestling bios. No, 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 not, not wrestling bios. The brood theme music. It is okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that is nineties banger of a tune. Like nineties, like fucking gothic industrial. Yeah, go ahead. Go just yeah, go get it. It's a good substitute to watching Queen of the Damned, the film. Oh yes, that wait, Queen of the Damned. Okay, that was the one with. That was the third Anne Rice, wasn't it? Was it the fourth? Interview with the Vampire, uh, I think this was the one with Alaya. The, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Queen of the Damned was the third book in the second movie. Yeah. I mean, because there was no third movie, right? Yeah, well, they couldn't make one out of Vampire Lestat because that would, like, there's there's some very inter- there's some very disturbing themes in Vampire Lestat, and I'm not talking well, about Well, Anne Rice wrote the script for it. The script was done. She yeah. wanted to do it, and the studio said no. Yeah, and because, went straight to Queen of the Damned. Well, I, I would skip it, too, because it's a ridiculous story of a guy who wants to fuck his mother. I mean, it's... Uh, it's oh wonderful. yeah, there's fucking no historical literature about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a comeback. You got me on that one. I don't have a comeback. Uh, yeah. You got me on that. <laughs> okay. Um, God, there was something else, but I derailed it six times. I'm sorry. Soul Reader was great. See. You know it's a good game when you can go to uh, Shakespeare, to Bram Stoker, to WWE. Well, I do want to mention, just while we're talking about Dracula, if anyone hasn't seen the Jared Butler Dracula, uh, one of the best, worst movies ever made. It's hilarious. Dracula 2000? Is it Dracula? I think it's Dracula 2000, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that movie's shit. It's shit. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's I saw that in theaters. Fuck awesome. that movie. Not... <laughs> See, you saw it in theaters. I saw it while I was smoking uh, pot with several friends when I was like 17 and it was the funniest fucking thing. It was like a Mel Brooks you know, movie. It was uh, great. I, I saw the adaptation of Dracula called Blackula. Oh, that's a yeah, and another one. Like I, I, I joke not, like that literally was quite entertaining. Like <laughs> no I actually, I the, actually... the premise is about as subtle as it is, but it, oh. it was it was a good film. Like I I literally like Oh, kind of smiled throughout it. I quite enjoy. Like, uh, I quite it, enjoy Dracula it, it, Untold, which I, apparently is a hot take, but I quite enjoyed that film. It was stupid. I I did I, not mind it. I, yeah, I, I thought I, it was alright. I quite enjoyed it, but I, I just like Luke Evans. I find him very. Oh uh, no! Now, now I can't can't disassociate Leslie Nielsen from like Legacy of Kane. Leslie Nielsen would be a <laughs> that great. Just... He would be a great Mobius. <sighs> okay. He could be. He would be an amazing. Mobius. <laughs> Why not? Go for it. That that would be. Can I'm, you imagine like yes. the elder god with Leslie Nielsen's voice? You're too <laughs> Okay. Um, the only other thing that I I wanted to touch upon, and we kind of have touched upon it, touched touched upon it, touched upon it, is the the way it uses vampire lore, and we we talked about how it it neglects kind of the the typical vampire tropes of kind of 
yes. romance and, and seduction and that kind of thing. But its use of vampire lore is very kind of circumspect and very select. And I, I think it's very, very clever in doing so. Um, so Chrome, uh, that's kind of up your alley. So I'll, I'll pass that oh, over thank, to you. Thank God you said alley. <laughs> yeah. This is a PG yeah, like, Well, it's, it's not really PG. Right. It's, a, it's a PG-13 yeah. podcast. Kind of. So uh, to start off, like, um, especially in the very first game, in Legacy of Cain, uh, which is, uh, as I said, like a Zelda clone, there's a lot of environmental hazards that a vampire fledgling like Cain has to overcome. And one of them are actually, like, is quite important is that uh, vampires have an aversion to water. Like, water actually damages them. And I'm not sure how often that comes up uh, in... Uh, your average vampire, like you know, you know the usual I... fare is decapitation, yes. stake through the heart, uh, running water. water. Yeah, holy water. Yeah, holy water. Yeah, but I thought I... about this too. Like, well, like I, I've heard the water in general being like a, a thing that vampires can't do and something else, but I can't, I can't remember what it was. Well, it's specifically running water because it's a, it's a plot point in Dracula that they yeah. they track. Oh yes, when, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they track when he leaves England. He flees England by noting that he can't cross running water, so he has to take a certain route to the port mm-hmm. and they know he can't once he's on the ship he can't leave the ship because he couldn't fly over the over yeah. the, the movement water so presumably like a lake would be fine but water that's in motion is not but i, I do yes. think that's something that has uh faded qu- quite a bit from modern vampire lore uh a, a lot of a lot of stuff in that game kind of like um that harkens back to like the original like um, i i i can uh, vouch for at least uh, some of the stuff that uh we have here in Eastern or Central Europe or the Balkans. And one of them is what goes back to uh, the original idea of the vampire being a representation of transgression is that running water, like creeks and rivers, used to naturally form borders. Like even today, a lot of border uh, delineation is done, uh, if possible, through natural landmarks. And rivers, creeks, running waters always constituted uh, natural delineations like the vampire cannot cross a a line unless invited like there's another uh, like vampire uh, lore that uh, thing that uh, usually isn't represented and it's i I don't think it's represented even in legacy of cain is that uh, a vampire can only enter uh, a house if it's invited Which, ironically enough is one of the few parts of buffy that of the buffy yes. vampires that joss whedon uh kept fully and wholeheartedly that you need to and i think it there's a, a reversal or there's an implied reversal of that as well in dracula because yeah when, uh, come come in yeah. at your own free will yeah yes. he, when when jonathan originally arrives at castle dracula he, it's it's come in of your own free will it's a very kind of uh, rigid or, or a very certain set of words that Dracula uses, uh, which I, I always I, I always took as being like, you, you have to make you have to be aware you are entering a vampire's abode of your own free will mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yes, like w- one of the facts is that like to hearkening back to like um, really old really old medieval folklore stuff. Um, Another important thing that comes back is that, like, Cain has several separate forms. Like, yes. he can transform into bats, he can transform into a wolf form, etc. Like, and all of those are in Dracula, I think. I, I don't think yeah. there's any forms. Yeah. I don't think, yes. Yeah, I think all it, of the forms Cain can transfer into, which I, I think 
And I think that's unique to Kane. I think that's referred to his as his dark gift. Um, yes, because uh, Kane in the games uh, is an artificially made vampire. Like yes. he was not a vampire born because in Nosgoth, vampires constituted a species that lost its ability to procreate. Therefore, needed to turn uh, humans into vampires. So vampires in the legacy of Cain are very much incels, is what we're saying. (laughs) Your words, not mine. (laughs) Uh, But is there actually, because that's an interesting point that I've I've raised myself. uh, I I have to state that uh, Cain and even Raziel, to a certain extent, are complete chads. (laughs) Actually, yeah. And Cain is 100% a chad. Like, you could make a, a... uh, Soy Jack Chad meme of um, absolutely. And let's, let's drop the moral posturing, shall we? Like that's one hundred percent. That thing. that thing needs to happen. That thing needs to happen. But what I was what I was thinking was, are there any forms Dracula can transform transform into that Kane can't, and vice versa? Because Wolf, um, Bat, and Mist are the main three, aren't they? He has a mist form. He uses uh, that shit. even in the 3D games when he moves through closed yeah. doors or yeah. uh, like yeah, grates. He, uh, he does the uh, bat forms like a swarm of bats when he uh, bats when he teleports. Uh, I think they left the uh, they left wolf form. Didn't they? What? Kane never turns into rats. Rats, no, I, don't think, I don't think, and he doesn't turn into insects uh, neither. No. Can Dracula, but, yeah, or I'm not sure Dracula can turn into rats. He can control them. But I'm not sure I he, think can he, turn... he can control I think he turned into them. Did he? Because I remember him sure controlling like the giant army of rats when he's busting the... Who's the fucking crazy dude? Uh, the crazy guy. Uh, yeah. Not Raptor? No, not... <laughs> <laughs> no, Renfield? the crazy guy in Dracula. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're talking about Renfield, Kane or Dracula. Yeah, Renfield. Um, Renfield, yeah. Renfield. Yeah, because he directs the <laughs> rats. <Not> Raptor. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference, whatever. Yeah, Renfield, no Raptor. Um, but he directs rats and insects to Nup to to Nup Raptor. You've done it to me, you fuck's sake. Into Renfield to eat, but I don't think he can turn into one unless I miss that. Somebody don't have to fucking who who's right or wrong. I could be wrong. Mm, well, I don't think he, so. He, but... I think he does controls. He does control rats. Uh, when I'm speaking about Dracula, Kane and I, I don't think anyone has like. Uh, any relevant connections to rats? No, I don't think they do. I mean, if we're talking about insects, then call. you know, Zephon is clearly the insect guy. Well, and th- thankfully, I don't recall rats being enemies as like a standard RPG trope. Nah. Uh, Django, are you? Um, it, are you? Ta- you you're it typing does. Uh, yeah. I'm what? Because no. um, <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were him... typing or pumping hand soap, and I was like, I'm Dracula, not sure. Like turning in. To, what are you talking about, dude? Listen, I'm not doing anything. It's not so reverb. Come on, get on point. I'm, 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 I'm on point. Cassie. Um, they're Dracula can turn into almost anything that's like kind of plague oriented or disease infection. But I, I thought he could. But maybe you're right, and he could only turn into or he, he's not shape shifting into rats like he did yeah. ba- uh, bats. But I thought that he did. But maybe he no, did. Cool. My record, I could, that's, I could, that, I could that, be wrong. That's, uh... My That's actually kind of missing from Legacy of Kane. Like uh, Kane's vampirism, in I don't think uh, is ever shown to uh, be used for procreating its species. Of course, it was because he made his vampire lieutenants, uh, etc. Or left them. They were also necro vamps. Yeah, were, but like, it, it was never even shown. But yes, they they were raised from the dead. Like yes. 
don't know about the lieutenants uh, in Blood Omen 2, but uh, the primary Seraphim pre- uh, warriors uh, used in the uh, in Soul River 1, that became his right-hand man, so to speak, were all dead when yeah. they were uh, created as vampires. And also, no, and that's part of the reason why they don't remember that mm-hmm. stuff. And stuff so like there's, that. there's this weird thing with Kane is that... Uh, Despite him being a vampire, he doesn't really like. He only preys on humans. He never is shown to transform humans, living humans, into vampires. And vampirism isn't shown as, as some sort of plague because that's also uh, an active symbol. Uh, that what the vampire is is that uh, usually it's it's kind of like a plague. Like vampirism was a plague. But he did like the the the, the seraphim people made sense because it's like it was one kind of like an egotistical fuck you i'm gonna make like these mm-hmm. warriors of god into my fucking duders and also they were just really effective so it's, oh yeah like, like they, they, they their, were. their memories like yeah mm-hmm. i want that effective on my team give me that shit. yeah essentially like what better way to uh you know circumvent your enemy use their own troops against them yeah. especially if they are question. like i mean at the time kane resurrects the seraphant is he mm-hmm. aware of Raziel's destiny? Like, has, has he worked out who Raziel is? And who Raziel is going oh. to be? Or is it just fate? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I'm not sure if... I we don't, don't know. Think... Not... Go ahead, go ahead. Cain rules over Nosgoth for millennia. So, yes. God no, like, and he, he's nothing to do but think about this. But uh, it, nothing it's, to do. Nothing to do. Really. It's true. Well, he doesn't really yeah. take care of the place. Um, no, he's fucking yeah. But like, I I wonder because like it's I'm not sure if the implication of him seeing Razia with the wings is like realization or confirmation. Like, is this a realization of oh, or is this a confirmation of yeah. I knew it? Like, because because there is a distinct look in his face before he says cast them in. I do think it, that. Uh... There, there's one reference to uh, Cain actually scrying uh, the future. Is that um, at the end of the first game, Raziel has a confrontation with Cain in the uh, Chronoplast, um, Mobius's time streaming chamber, and Cain does refer to the fact that when he stole into this place uh, like millennia ago, like he never comprehended its ago. relevance. Yes, yeah, centuries. Thank you. Like. Uh, I do think that what, when Cain was uh, more or less in power, he spent a lot of time scrying the future. I don't think it's relevant from uh, the overall plot's um, perspective that Cain knew that Raziel had to become, so to speak, the item to disrupt the the coin, to keep it spinning, to not land either or or. Uh, but I do think that he kind of had to realize in the in those chambers that, uh, yeah, Raziel needs to be the person person that he uh, needs to introduce in this game of uh, you know, poker that is played through the ages. Yeah, is it is uh, that's something I never knew about either. Like when did when did Kane start like, yeah, doing things I, I, to affect time? Like when when did that? I start? don't think I don't think that from the story's perspective it's relevant whether. Uh, Kane knew that beforehand he raised Raziel and his compatriots, or uh, that realization came later on. Mm-hmm. 
that second one would be quite interesting because if he raised the lieutenants beforehand, he had the realization that uh, he needs to introduce a, a rogue element into uh, this setup that was crafted for him. Uh, it, it may have it may have ha uh, had been any of them. Like, can you imagine if the chosen one for uh, Kane's plan was like Zephon? I, I think not. That'd be awesome. I say it as the Zephon fanboy, but that would be badass. Like, Zephon's wraith form is just a fucking giant insect. That'd be awesome. It, it, the the way I envision it, uh, I don't think that... Uh, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that there was much choice. I, I do think that the others uh, had one or more deficiencies that made uh, Raziel the candidate anyway. I think Dumas probably could have. Um, except Dumas I mean, comes across as very Terrell was, was, was fucking, yeah. like, he, he's the second one, right? He was buff and he was a giant no, Dumas, bitch. Dumas is the second, isn't he? Uh, well, no, uh, I'm, I'm the... talking about, like, the, the order of the, of the brothers, though. Terrell is right um, after. Well, I mean, the, the order by well. which they were yeah, raised. The order I, of I power yeah. or the order or their, which they were killed. I, th I think Terrell and Dumas were, uh, second and third. I don't know the order. So Terrell's the second Dumas. and third. I'm almost then came Rahab, that... and then came Zephon and uh, then Malkaya. Malkaya. Figure this out. I'll be to the bottom. I'm just talking about the ones with like the order that uh, Cain raised them because they each got like progressively less and less of Cain's necrovamp soul, and that's yeah, why they're all. Yeah, the point where Malkaya is like falling. Well, we can we have episodes about the brothers, but where Malkaya yeah. is like falling apart because he doesn't have enough. Yeah. Vampirism to maintain his. Basically, just a testicle. He, he's the shit point. brother. Yeah. Yeah, like I do feel sorry for Melkai a little bit. It's like, yeah, God, I, that is a fucking. I, I do have to think that uh, while, while he looks like a dad or a pimple in his uh, vampire human form, but yes. his monstrous form is generally one of the creepiest things ever. Yeah, I, I would love, and I suppose we'll, the, the prospect of a remake is probably something we'll talk about, but it, it's something I would, like, if, if there is a remake, this the, the Melkai scene in the dungeon with the Crusher is. That would be incredible in modern graphics. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Can you imagine like that whole story was made like a CGI movie? Oh. Mm. You, you can insert the drooling Homer Simpson face here. But I think, that's I think, what my... like, I mean, I think if, and uh, maybe this is a, a tangent, but if you're going to redo it as a modern game, I almost wondered, would you need to change maybe the order? No, of the, no but, but like if, because you're going from Melkaya, because a modern game built on spectacle. So you're going from Melkaya, Zephon, who are these giant fuckers, like once taken over an entire building, to like Rahab and then Dumas, and they're just well, kind of dudes. You you can circumvent their less theatrical appearances by having them do more stuff. Because if you think about it, both Melkaya and Zephon are the least mobile of them all. That's true. And I suppose like if you were to do Rahab. And do it as like a kind of a Jaws thing, like that would be pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it would. Uh, if, if that was like done in a cinematic way, I, I think that would be uh, essentially Jaws. And if if you get to like Dumas, he's he's essentially an armored Hulk. Yeah, like I'm imagining Dumas as like you'd walk into the the cathedral and like Dumas is just part of the background. He's just just like you almost yeah, think it's like a statue. Raziel is running through gates and like corridors etc and Duma is just charging straight through the walls because he's essentially an unstoppable juggernaut but I'm, I'm not thinking about when you see him dead before you, you pull the spears out oh yeah and you th it, it like 
it would be you'd, you'd think it's like a, a background like it's nothing that actually interactable yeah and then you would see the prompt and be like oh fuck like i think that would be would be kind of cool mm-hmm. uh which Camp one did you quiet. say that he raised uh that the second guy Tur- raised Turiel the second I, I do think that the, the two more pow- two most powerful uh or um how should I say the second and third I think were Dumas and Turel. Because as I recall, those were the two that cast Raziel into the uh, abyss. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. Yeah, Tur- Turel was raised second and then the and then the other one. So it was Raziel, Turel, mm-hmm. then uh that uh, whatever his face you just said it, I forgot it. Dumas. Yeah, yeah, that bitch. That bitch. <laughs> Bam, Terrell kept getting cut from these games too. Yeah, Terrell. Yeah, a... Terrell was really Man. lucky to make an appearance in the games after all. <laughs> Which that is a really interesting thing to to talk about too. At some point, like fucking like oh, there are I... retcons. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there ho- are. Holy totally was retcon, but like uh, Django, I don't know if it's true, but lately there has been news that uh, they managed to dig up most of the cut content from Soul River One. And there was already a finished uh, Terrell uh, model, yes. which could be used. Yes, I, 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 I did see that. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's just funny that they that him specifically kept getting cut in so many ways, because uh, he was going to show up in Soul Reaper Two. But, but to be fair, each of these games, well, Soul Reaper One and Soul Reaper Two specifically, were so overly ambitious at the beginning. That so much got cut, just like no, we can't do any of this shit. Because this, I think, Silver One was one of the most like expensive games to develop. Like they were just pouring money into that fucking game, and at the time, because it was such a big deal, and they were building all this new technology with with world streaming and stuff like that too. And at, at some point, um, IDOS was just like, I think it's who it was. I think uh, maybe it was like, look, fucking, you better put this thing out. And they, but you know, and at the end of the year. They started cutting all this kind of shit out, which is still like, I wish they would have cut out fucking puzzles, but whatever. There goes Terrell, and then he shows up. But my point was, I, I like think I Terrell wasn't that fucking dude. Like, when did they decide to make Terrell the dude from Blood Omen? Well, I mean, I think like, a recurring. Theme I mean, that could be a topic Blood for another. Wait, 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 another... wait, wait, from Blood Omen. Yeah, uh, hashtag Gick. That, that, Hasha uh, Geek, yeah. That's in well, Hasha Geek, uh, no spoiler, Hasha Geek is using Turel. Turel is just the yeah. host for Hasha Geek. Geek. Hasha Geek is a spirit, uh, spirit. But I think the like a, a recurring theme of the development is Amy Huberman being one of the greatest improvisers in the history oh, of, man. of creative like, the, endeavors. The amount of bending <laughs> back hell. and doing but, gymnastics with the lore so is for, amazing. For anybody, like, oh, wait, you mean Amy Hennig. What did I, what did I say? Yeah. Who the fuck is Amy? I don't know. Huber? You said. Hold on, I don't know who that is. God, I hope it's not a professor. Oh, she's an actor. Amy oh, Hennig, yes. Of course, that's she's the wife of uh, a very famous Irish rugby player. Um, but yeah, Amy Hennig. Um, because for for those of you who who, who don't know, uh, originally, the and you you guys can correct me on this. Uh, the decision to have Blood Omen, like the the Kane storyline and the Raziel storyline, in separate. Uh, kind of games was taken above the actual creative team so she had to like mm-hmm. just work around work around and it's and she i think she does not get she could never get enough credit it's that good a job because i support women 
Of, <laughs> of, of ah, uh, you. Well, I mean, I support Soul Reaver, so like she, she you know, like she ties up so many the, the loose ends so so she well, does. and like yeah, yeah. she makes Torell being cut out of like three games in a row, and then it's like here was here's why he wasn't there, and it's like oh, that actually is a pivotal plot point in the whole series, which is yeah. exceptionally well done. It is a thing. Uh, who was it? Like, Blood Blowman wasn't made by Crystal Dynamics and that whole thing. Like, there was a whole different creative situation. That was Silicon Knights, I think. Yes, it Blood was. Omen. And, like, the... that whole lore and that whole shit was so fucking different. And, and of course, Soul Reaver was uh, Shifter. Like, the, the this other game that, mm-hmm. like, was just uh, prototyped out of the mechanics of Soul Reaver, not the story. And they yeah, and they just together. kind of wanted to do something with this, the Legacy of Kane license as well, so they yeah, kind yeah. of made it into, and like, I just, I, I the idea of her being presented with the script for Blood Omen 2, <laughs> yeah, like, this bizarre, Put this into this. <laughs> and being like, yeah, work this in, and being like, yeah, yeah. Hilden, fine, I'll work with I, that. I, fucking I am amazed by the fact I am amazed by the fact that this game's uh, series development was a masterclass in getting uh, higher-up mandates thrown at you and working around that in uh, order to create something that is still remembered as an exemplar of good writing and good uh, storycrafting. Absolutely. And and on like, that then... I, I am amazed because this game, by all probability, would have had a couple of lore screw-ups well, oh, it does yeah. have a few. It does have a few. But very minor There's ones. There's none of them that's like... Uh, I don't want to harp on Mortal Kombat. So, uh, latest well, I, uh, iterations. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop. It's, it's nothing no. invasive. Like, there, there are more, like, uh, lore questions that raise more questions rather than lore problems that uh, problems, go against yeah. uh, the Is established, that... you know, Three timelines because it has three yeah, timelines, yeah. and that's absolutely very important to to distinguish between um, lore problems and lore questions because we you switch to Kane and like there's so much we were talking about it a minute ago where you don't know what when, mm-hmm. what Kane's doing and when and whatnot, but that's okay because it makes when you switch to Raziel and you move Kane into the a, a thing of. Yeah, being like, mysterious and not showing everything about him, making you wonder, oh, was Kane doing this? Was Kane doing that? That's how Raziel is, and it feels uh, more fun for you, the player, so to do that stuff. So that's um, the problem of, like, in Blood Omen 2 that Warador is suddenly alive. Like, that's not explained, and that does raise quite a, a few questions, but his presence is never, uh, you know, intrusive to the overall functionality of the world, because the resurrected Warador isn't crucial in the series of events that follow up from there. Like, his presence, his resurrected presence, is not the cornerstone on which the whole uh, functionality of the story uh, right. you know, finishes or breaks. And if I could yeah. just kind of, I suppose, jump off the, the praise of Amy Hennig to the, the last topic I, I wanted to raise. Um, the presence or lack thereof of kind of female uh characters women uh you know those mm-hmm. those things um in in legacy <laughs> of Kane. because as we, we talked about there are yeah kind of earlier in vampire lore vampire like dracula is uh like centered on on lucy and mina um mm-hmm. now there's i think you can raise some very very uh obvious kind of questions of, of agency and kind of feminist analysis of, of Dracula whereby neither Lucy or Mina are, are really characters they're really just vectors 
Um, yeah, but, you know, historical context. Yeah, but, like, it was written in the 19th century. I mean, they probably thought, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure back then, like, they, like, they thought orgasms were some kind of epileptic fit. Um, mm. But that is, like, that, that's a recurring trend, kind of the, the female presence in, in vampire stories through you know Nosferatu through uh, interview with the vampire through Buffy it's it's you know it's an ever present whereas there's like like who's the most prominent female character Ariel and she's dead uh, yeah. Ariel you you could also there, there are quite a few uh female characters in like there there's Kane, like Uma and shit like that but yeah they are kind of like uh mm. not tokeny but uh, it's the Ariel sausage is, fest the only one tokeny is who's the chick in Blood Omen Two? Oh, Duma. do uh, no, 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 no. Um, no, it's not. I thought it was Uma. D- Duma. Is the um, not Duma? Uma. Uma. Thank you. Yes. It, it Duma is Duma and Uma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Uma. Yeah, that's that. That was uh, very clearly just kind of uh, which is in there. Kind of weird because Kane does have some sort of attraction towards her, but. Uh, I consider that events no, in Blood, Blood Omen to transpire as they are, and Kane is way more of a how should I say uh, stigma male grind set vampire <laughs> to give it to you know. Uh, um, but I, I like I consider the kind of the, the attraction between Kane and and Uma borderline non-canon. Like I. It just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, that that game has problems. That game but, has a lot uh, of problems. It's still crucial. Uh, yeah, but um, the depiction was actually like that game tried to do a 3D and better version of uh, Legacy of Kane One. Oh, and oh, by the way, Legacy of Kane One do have uh, female characters that are quite important. Uh, sadly, one of them, which is a damsel, uh, the king, uh, King Uthmar's uh, daughter. Yeah. Ariel and, is in that game, in that game too, right? Yeah, Ariel she is in that game. Yes, yeah, yeah. and uh, quite a few opponents, like uh, the uh, supposedly uh, two of the more dangerous uh, pillar guardians, are female. Yeah, like uh, bald chick with big tits. Yeah, D. Jewel, the energist, which is li- basically a bald woman who is also a living nuclear reactor, and has big tits. And uh, Azimuth, the planer, who is actually quite crucial because, um, spoiler alert. Asimov is the one who is looking for the Soul Reaver in uh, the Legacy of Cain uh, Blood Omen timeline, but uh, it is her doing that uh, Tyrell gets transported from the future back into the past. Asimov is the one who uh, rescues uh, Tyrell from his immediate fate of execution by Soul Reaver. Oh yeah, uh, there I, are plenty of badass chicks in uh, Soul River as well, well but right, uh, they are not in the. They're not the focal points. Yeah, Temp has been quiet for a long while. Yeah, Temp. We'll have to be wrapping up soon. Would you like to introduce a smoky accent into us? Yep. Is Temp alive? He doesn't have an accent. Temp has a lovely. He's not muted, accent. but we can't well, hear him. Okay. Uh, Sorry about that. Can you hear me now? Is. Yeah, you're alive. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no, I just. Uh... I'm mostly just trying to catch up on the lore of Legacy of Cain, and also uh, I've never read Dracula. Oh man, Jesus Christ, you've never read Dracula? I wish I had. I I, I got like 50 pages into it, and then I got busy. You got 50 pages into it, and there's no like pictures, nothing to color in, so the American education system told you you had to. No anime? Oh, come on. It's okay. It's okay. 
No, Listen, but uh, okay, one you got time time. In life, you have time, and you should do it. Oh yes, it's, it's a good. Everything's about my job. Is I can, I can basically catch up on things I can't normally do while I'm at work. It's great. And you Perfect. you use that time to watch awesome. anime and nothing but anime. The, uh, I do other stuff. I, I, he's, I, he's, I, a, he's in the lab, right? Well, he does manga as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fighting games in between. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Learning KOF. That works. Which is an anime fighting game, might I add. Yeah, well, I mean, come on. There's like two of them that are not. Um, to be fair, like Kane would have made, made a funny addition to Mortal Kombat, but we're not talking about guest it. characters in Mortal yeah. Kombat. That's a yeah. war we've all been through. As much as I love Robocop as my one of my favorite films, like, uh, and I do like his addition in MK, it's, it, you cannot take that seriously anymore. Like that, that's. It's done. Anyway, Tim, you were, oh. you were going to say. Sorry, Django. Yeah. Oh, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. Well, I just... Uh, I Honestly, it's just... Uh, I, I didn't really have much to say on the vampire stuff, to tell you the truth. That's, it's the lack of something to say, if I'm being honest. Mm. It's just the one swan, really. It's not, <laughs> it's not really something you associate with a Catholic. Django, you were going to say before we, we move into the... Uh, I was going to say something, and then it went away again. God, this keeps happening to me, man. I'm going to die one day. Well, we have been recording uh, for fuck. well over... Oh, <laughs> sorry. I found it, and I hit my knee. Uh, there, I was just going to like tag up on that on that whole thought there about, like, yeah, he, he, comparing the two, there are retcons and, and inconsistencies in Legacy of Kate. Absolutely. But by this point, we've come way further and seeing so many other games try to do that and franchises try to have a long running uh narrative and stuff and obviously Mortal Kombat is one of them. Uh and like by comparison, looking back, it's like wow. So uh, Legacy of Kane is basically flawless. It's basically perfect and it there's so much stuff that's lined up and it fits well and is specific and put right where it wants to the narrative that it, it seems weird. It seems bizarre. Uh, looking at so many game narratives these days. Uh, it does so, have payoff. That's what I think. It has what? Payoff. Like, oh, yes. It's a yeah. whole rounded story which is kind of open-ended because it could have been continued, but uh, finishing the story with Defiance was actually quite cathartic and the whole series actually has like a good a good sense of payoff. It does. It, yeah, yeah, it does. Most, almost everything in that in, in in those games, all the games, the whole series, at least, especially by comparison to today's stuff, it all feels very self-aware and, and on purpose, and just knows what we're doing, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Something that long and like over a decade, like I don't know when, like the the year that Blood Open One came out to Defiance. I think it out. was like ninety six. Ninety six. And Defiance would have had to come out. Yeah, it's ninety six. Ninety. Uh, I think it think, think it was like uh, October or November of ninety six. Well, as as fascinating as that as the discussion. Of yeah, it was great. Game. Like, listen, yeah, yeah. Way, way to go, Amy Hennig. That's my point. Way anyway. to go, Amy Hennig. Yeah. All right. So on that note, I think maybe it's time to wrap up uh, because we have yeah. hit the ninety minutes. Yep. Uh, so, um, gentlemen, any very very quick last thoughts? I I think the next episode. Uh, I have down as being a discussion of the world of Nosgoth, so hopefully that will be of interest. Um, so, any kind of anything you want to say to our our loyal listeners, who I'm sure I would say, 
Well, I would say def- it's definitely worth at least watching the games. Playing them is better, Point but if you can watch these games, you should because even to this day, as old as this series is and as few installments as there were, Soul Reaver and Legacy of Kane still weirdly has the market share on certain storytelling elements that you cannot find anywhere else. And that has not changed after like a million years. So I'd still recommend anyone who hasn't checked these games out to check them out. Um, yeah, that, that's all I got. Django? Yeah, it's really weird that this is this is one of those games that's, that's really hard to like recommend to people. People sometimes will ask it, especially when I was playing that, that stuff on stream. By the way, you can go check that stuff out. I think it's still up there. Check out Django's anyway. stream. Django... Yeah, plug me. GM Django... 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 No, it's Django AF. I think it's all one word. On Twitch. Um, but, but, yeah, it's hard to point people there, which is why I say go, go to the stream. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, don't, maybe don't go play it, but watch it at least. Educate yourself. It's so weird there's no rebate for this game or anything like that. But that's a whole other, other topic. It's weird. It's really weird. Um, I mean, that should be an episode, 100%. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is, absolutely. It's going to be. Yes. And Chrome, any very final thoughts? Um, game's good, way Victor. Way Victor, indeed. Okay, so that is going to be... You don't do know it. how good it is. You don't know. It's going to surprise you if you haven't done it before. That's all. Yeah, like, what, one of the greatest pinnacles of game design done for the art uh, with love and without any uh, corporate cynicism to... Throw at it like genuinely one of the best efforts of game development, and yes, indeed like, one of the best. Oh, so uh, high up there. Even aside from game, like moving on from game development, one of the best stories. I think. I think a lot of people yep. exaggerate stories. Like certain people in in the Mortal Kombat community will tell you that Mortal Kombat is one of the greatest <sighs> stories ever told. We don't need to get into that. But I it depends yeah. on which way you look at it, because. As I said, MK9 works best as like uh, the naked gun of fighting games. <laughs> that does work. But Legacy of Cain uh, certainly is a story that transcends. Um, it is, yeah. But it vastly transcends the average dire story in, in video games. Like I said, yeah, no hyperbole. I'm fucking dead serious. Like if, really if the Legacy of Cain was a, was a novel series, yeah, it's, it would be one of, it, regarded it, as one it, of the best novel it, series. It, even, even if you have trouble with the gameplay uh, of like Soul Reaver 1 and 2, and if you're masochistic enough to try out Legacy of Kane 1, uh, if, if, even if that's not your thing, you can still watch lore and everything else about the game on YouTube. Uh, really check out the world, even if the games don't play the way you are comfortable with. Uh, it's still like a cornucopia of things that you probably haven't seen yet. And on the, I didn't think we were going to use the word cornucopia in this podcast. But anyway, um, mm. that is going to do this it game for the first episode of uh, History of Wars podcast. I thank you all. We had three viewers at one stage, which is incredible. I'm presuming that's both Django and Temp and some randomer. Um, oh, this, shit. Uh, if you are listening to this on Twitch, on the Twitch archive, uh, it will in time be posted on the Nethercast channel on YouTube. Uh Otherwise, you are probably listening to this on the Nethercast channel on YouTube. Uh, in which case, hello. So, uh, with that, we will leave you at that. And we will come back to you soon. And, uh, yeah, goodbye. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, guys. Manus seller day. Bye. Man, take care, everyone. Fully aroused. You stay classy, Nazgoth. <laughs>